you have to come first, as does your partner. Your partner has to put themselves first. They can't put you first. You know, they're the most important person of them. Yes. Can you say that again like a million fucking times? Because one more time for the people in the back. (laughs) It's so important, you know? Yeah, you you have to be the most important person in your life and your partner has to be the most important person in their life. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your go-to bisexual polyamorous confidence coach who tells it as it is and owns her mess. If you're here to live your fuck yes life, welcome home, my love. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 welcome to episode 135 of the podcast and ah, holy balls, I don't want to have too much of an intro today because I just want to get straight to this conversation. It is something I have wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while and something I've been having a lot behind closed doors conversations with my friends, with some of you in my DMs on Instagram about expectations and needs and how much of our happiness and fulfillment we place on our partnerships um, and what the fuck we should do and where that comes from and all sorts of stuff. And I couldn't have thought to bring on another human that I respect so deeply that you all loved so goddamn much from last season and who really approaches life in a lot of ways super similarly for me, but also in a lot of ways really differently. And that is Gabrielle Stone. Um, She's back and she comes from a super different relationship background than I do. Um, She actively consciously chooses monogamy while I choose polyamory. And Yet, we had a lot of alignment, a lot of misalignment, um, and that's a beautiful thing and why I wanted to have her on specifically because I knew we were going to be able to have a really open-minded, honest um, conversation about where that comes from, why we have these needs, what our needs actually are and expectations. And I invite you, whether you are monogamous, non-monogamous, or whatever the fuck you identify as, um, to come into this episode with curiosity in your own heart and start to maybe unpack like why you have the beliefs you hold, um, what expectations and needs you place on your partnerships and where those things come from and if they're actually things you align with or not because so often we don't even think about that to ask ourselves, is this actually me or is this just society that's telling me that this is what I should be doing, right? Um, So that's what we get into in this episode. Before we deep dive into that, real quick, I wanna let you all know about something really special that's coming up on December 4th, and that is a special Live Your Fuck Yes Life virtual summit around all things non-monogamy and polyamory. So if you are someone who is in that space or is thinking about being in that space and you want to be surrounded by other creators and educators who will be talking about all things like unpacking toxic monogamy culture in a deeper way, uh, jealousy. I'm going to be teaching a session on setting healthy boundaries in our relationships, um, talking about uh, monopolyam dynamics, so like monogamous polyamorous uh, relationships, like folks that are in one person is polyamorous, one person is monogamous, and how to navigate that, as well as just polyamory and like owning our shit. Um, and I have incredible guest speakers who you probably know if you are, um, you know, following a lot of other folks on TikTok or Instagram. So the folks like Jessica Levity at Remodeled, Remodeled Love, who we had the episode around demisexuality around. Um, Leanne from Polyphilia Blog is going to be um, doing a session. Uh, Chad from Polyam Fam, and then. Ebony at Marjani Lane. It's going to be truly fucking amazing day. And uh, tickets are officially on sale. Um, As you're listening to this, they've been on sale for 48 hours. And as I'm recording this intro the day before we go live for the podcast, we are already almost 40% sold out. So um, please snag your ticket. If you are um, part of a marginalized community, please shoot me a DM on Instagram to get 15 or 50% off the ticket price. Tickets are only $30 normally. So if that's accessible to you, um, you know, rock that out. 
We know it's not always accessible, so we want to make sure that, you know, as many folks can get in. Um, there is a max number just because we are hosting it on a Zoom, private Zoom account, and there's only so many folks that can be in the Zoom room um, at a time without it crashing. So um, make sure if you think you want to go, you know, you get your butt in there, bring your polycule, all of that fun stuff. It's going to be such a fucking fun day, and I can't wait to rock it out. Um, tickets are in the link um, in my bio on all of my platforms, or you can just go to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash summit, and it'll take you to the Eventbrite link from there to snag your ticket. All right. Without further the fuck ado, let's get into this magic. Here we go. So I've been having a lot of conversations in my TikTok comments and just my DMs about like how we have have culturally been programmed to believe that relationships or people should like fill these spaces in our lives and how as a result we've attached expectations to what our partner or partners should do for us or like a slew of like you must complete all these needs in my world and there's like such a variety of perspectives out there but there's a lot I've noticed a lot in the in the like monogamy non-monogamy camp there's like mm-hmm. the non-monogamy camp is so rooted in like autonomy first and yourself first and all of that stuff, which I think is a really important period thing. And in the monogamy side, it's like partner first. I put their needs first. And Mm. I'm of the belief that like both need to exist. Yeah. But I think that there's this really like interesting narrative in both camps. And of course, this is a big generalization, but that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about this. Because I I think there's there's this like perspective in monogamy that like, your partner is – you have one soulmate out there, right? Well, th- really, this is just, like, the culture we live in, that it's, right. like, there's one soulmate out there. They have to complete and be everything for you, that we have these, like, uh, unspoken expectations of what they should be, like, this checklist almost. I don't know if you ever did this, like, growing up where you were like, here's a checklist. I did. I did that, too. I did. And I just – I think that, like, it's such a – interesting thing this whole soulmate dynamic and culture and like expectations that we've placed as individuals then around our partners of like what they should or should not do um what cheating looks like which I know you have a lot of particular thoughts around um given your history and and it's like not this simple answer right Right. (laughs) um yeah but at the same time, it's just like, well, on on the flip side, I'm seeing a lot in the non-monogamy community and a lot of the circles that I'm chatting with a lot about this, like, very, uh, almost like this massive recoil away from wanting to be anybody's everything. Mm. And that that feels really stifling and really overwhelming because it's like, well, if I'm struggling, especially right now, like we're all, I feel like in a season of mental health fog and struggle. And it's yeah. like, if I'm struggling that much right now, like I can hardly take care of myself, right. let alone like yeah. support all of you, our needs, which like is, I think bonkers to believe that any one person can like do that anyways. Yeah. But I know that a lot of people feel that way. And so I was like, I want to have Gabrielle on to talk about this shit because I really wanted to have someone who was actively and consciously monogamous, like you've made that decision, who also understands because you've chosen to have people like me on your podcast or just like surround yourself with other folks who do relationships differently, like, you know, and it's not just this like, you're wrong, I'm, you know, because that's not how I, that's not, I think there's a middle ground and I just wanted to talk about this because I think it's something that is never spoken about. It's like, what are what should our partners be to us right really at the end of the day and like what is important and what is not and I feel like so much of the expectation space were just like really deeply talked about so anyways these yeah. are my thoughts yeah no I love that okay great but yeah I guess let's just start because I know you had you came on the podcast for last season which if you missed that episode go back because I'm not going to do like your intro again um but go back and listen because it was an amazing amazing episode um and I'll link it in the show notes for you all um but 
you're you have a very particular lens of how you've approached relationships and why like relation relationships are what they are for you now so can you just share a little bit about like this this Cole's notes of your of your history just yeah that the cliff notes of my shit show (laughs) yeah Uh, um so I basically I was married for almost two years in that relationship for five found out he was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months filed for divorce, left shortly after that, fell madly in love with this guy, had this whirlwind romance over the span of a month and a half. And he convinced me to go on a month long trip to Italy with him 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. So I've had a tumultuous, I guess is the the appropriate word um, of a relationship history, but through the healing that I've done throughout, you know, writing the two books and, and having the podcast and the healing that I've done on my own journey has now allowed me to shift so many perspectives as far as what I want in a relationship. Because Mm -hmm. like you were saying, you know, we had a checklist when we were younger, like that shit was written out in my notebook when I was in high school, you know, it was like, these are the things that need to check the boxes. And when we get older, people still do that. It's just mental and they don't, admit to it, you know, and my current relationship that is so stable and so healthy, um, not that it was an easy road to get here. Um, he came wrapped as totally wrong for me, you know, like if you would have said, okay, what's Gabrielle's Mm. ideal man look like, or type look like he is not what that would have been at the time, at least, you know, he was, he's 15 years older than me and he has a daughter. And, you know, it was like, this isn't, this isn't how the path goes. It's like, you know, you, you meet someone and then you get married and then you have kids and then you have the white picket fence and blotty fucking blah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's a lot of societal stereotypes that we sometimes don't even realize we are giving into and, continuing to allow ourselves, you know, to, to follow. So I think the more we can shed some light on that bullshit and be like, guys, that's not, Mm. that's not the only way to find yourself in a happy relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. the better. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm, I would love for you to like, uh, if you haven't, I'm so curious when we can talk about this offline, but I'm so curious because I last, my last episode that is live, um, is on toxic monogamy culture, which mm. a lot of monogamous folks will like be like, no, monogamy isn't toxic. And I'm like, no, it's not about like a- anyone can have toxic monogamy culture. It probably everyone, it does because whether you're monogamous or polyamorous or somewhere in the fucking middle, like it's the culture in which we've been raised upon, right? Right. And it's these like really toxic models that we have have assumed relationships should be. And so of course we've we've built our lives around that and we have our expectations set around that, which is why I think this is such an important conversation to follow that because it's like, what are like, what even should be our expectations when it comes to our partners? And I'm curious, like, because I know I have some very important ones, personal like boundaries that I'm like, these are non-negotiables for me when it comes to frankly, any relationships in my life. And there are some that, you know, vary because of you know, sexual practices and whatever, if I'm including intimacy, but like, what is important to you? I mean, you've been through like some very toxic relationships and now, like, as you said, have a stable one. So like, have your expectations and needs always been the same or are they different now? Like, Oh, I think they're vastly different. Um, And I think sometimes that comes with age and experience as well. Um, whether you're in a monogamous or non-monogamous relationship or dynamic, um, for me, you know, in my early 20s, it was like, well, can we laugh together? And can he, you know, mm-hmm. make me smile? And do we have a good time? And are we sexually connected? And now it's like, have you done your shadow work? Have you gone to therapy? Mm-hmm. Are you emotionally intelligent? <laughs> like, There's like a whole nother, you know, do you have your spirituality in check? For me, it's, it's become such a deeper bond because that checklist, and I don't even like calling it a checklist, but for the sake of, you know, what we're referring to, um, that list has become so much more internal, um, and wanting someone to be like, okay, 
I know your triggers and mm-hmm. I will fucking protect them at all costs. And mm-hmm. you do not have to worry about them. That for me is gold. Um, and for me, you know, when I realized that that was my number one thing to, to have someone really protect my shit in that sense, mm-hmm. um, I was like, wow, well, you know, it's really going all the way back to that's when I was being raised. That's what my mom did. You know, like my mom, I lost my dad when I was six years old, pretty traumatically. And my mom has been my rock, like from day one, the only person that has not abandoned me in my life in some form or another. And I realized that like, that's what I wanted in a relationship. That was the number one goal was to have someone that would show up for me in that way. Mm. And in turn, someone that I could show up for. Totally. right back. You know it, what I mean? It totally also sounds and and correct me if this is not uh what you're feeling but what I'm what I'm receiving from you is that it sounded like you just really wanted to be like fully seen for all of you and accepted and loved for all yeah. of you, you know? And, yeah. and not just accepted but also like championed when you weren't even able to maybe champion yourself in moments. Totally. Totally. And it's a really magical feeling when someone sees you in an even more magical way than you see yourself to, to have someone recognize every part of you and all of your flaws and all of your, you know, wins and everything all encompassing and really be like, I love everything about you. Mm. That's a, a really wild feeling that I had never experienced until this relationship. Yeah. I, so, identify with what you're saying because it, I I actually think that that is probably the root of what everybody wants but we're just unable to really voice it sometimes it's like if you don't do this or if you don't do that and when at the end of the day it's really like I just want to be seen and loved for all of me yeah and championed for that and sometimes that means having to like teach the other person what that looks like and go totally practice because of course you know our partners can't read our minds and it's like but so much of ourselves is the thing that holds us back from being able to like invite another human into that process I think a lot of the time yeah Um, big time which I know and I think (laughs) I think that's so that's such a good point that you bring up that you have to communicate. Like that's the basis of every relationship, whether it's a working relationship, a romantic relationship, a family dynamic, like anything that you're trying to work towards and build on is it's communication is the main starting point. Um, especially in monogamous relationships. And I say this with love, um, not all men are, are, as god what's like a a nice way to say this um you can say it not nicely (laughs) like not as emotionally intelligent as the women that they're with so um a lot of times you have to be like look this makes me feel this way and that sucks so if you want us to like get better i need you to do a b and c half the time even more than half the time 90 percent of the time if you're with like a good person they're gonna be like oh shit great. Thank you for giving me instructions. Let me go do that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't, they can't read your fucking mind. They, they Mm -hmm. don't know what you're thinking. So if you don't give them the opportunity to rectify the situation and help you grow, then like, you know, you're, you're doomed from the start. You're shooting yourself in the foot. And I have so many girlfriends that call me and they're like, well, you know, he said this and now I'm going to try and play it. And I'm like, what do you mean? Try and play it. Like, did it hurt your fucking feelings? Just then say, say that. Say it. Yeah. Say you know it. what I mean? Totally. Like, if you, yeah. we're not in high school. Like, grow up, say what you need, state yeah. your needs. If they're not delivered to you, move the fuck on. <laughs> it's, it's tough, though, when we've been told, like, for so long, and I know so many of you listening are like, either people pleasers or recovering people pleasers like it is oh hi welcome to the party yeah same like we're we're in good company and it's hard like it's hard to have it's hard to even say your needs but what I think and actually this is bringing up a secondary point that I've been thinking about a lot lately and I'm so glad we're talking about this right now because um there's this like and I'm so curious what your thoughts on this too are because this also has to do with like expectations of our partners and needs but there's there's this very big like self Uh, care movement when it comes to relationships and specifically I see this a lot with like 
mostly women on TikTok who are like, I need to heal and mm-hmm. I can't do that when I'm in a relationship. So I'm going to do right. this on my own and then I'm going to be ready for my partner. Right. right. And it's this like, and what you're saying and what I think is so important is that at the end of the day, like our stuff, until we can even speak our needs or say that, you know, to to whatever, like we're going to continue to end up, yes, in probably toxic dynamics. And we're part of that problem. Like I, hands, I've been with, I've been with somebody for 11 years, 11 years, all of my twenties, we were together and, you know, are still very happily together. And we've had a lot of shifts, a lot of bumps and struggles and wins and all of the the in-betweens. And, I wasn't for so much of our relationship owning my needs. Mm. And so I was creating this like this pattern of toxicity, of passive aggressiveness, of all sorts of stuff that would show up, not because the relationship wasn't amazing and not because our dynamic was flawed, but because I wasn't inviting him in Mm -hmm. to fully being able to even meet me. Like I I wasn't, I was creating a massive ass wall and showing up in ways that were harmful to us instead of supportive. Mm. Um, because yeah, he was, he was like doomed from the start. It's like, how is he even supposed to get to the center of the maze when you're like putting up roadblocks that say, just kidding, go the other way. (laughs) Yes, completely. And, and it's, I just think that so many folks are like, well, I can't do the work and the growing in relation, like when I'm in relationship. And I'm curious your thoughts on this because I know you've had a lot of like the self-care time away, kind of like the eat, pray, you know, FML vibe of like, I'm going to do this on my own. But I also know from our conversations that a lot of the the, like inner stuff that you've done have been in relationship, like while you've been in that process. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that because I have very clear ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that you bring it up because you're right. I've seen a lot of stuff predominantly on TikTok um where it's like, you know, you can't be in a relationship before you're ready or you need to spend this time on your own. Look, do I think you need time on your own in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Was living on my own in my own little like dream apartment for a year and a half the best thing I ever did for myself? 100%. Is that necessary to have a healthy relationship or to grow and heal? No, absolutely not. I think that is a giant misconception. Um, I think it's dependent on the person. I think that there are really amazing ways that you can grow and heal while you're in a relationship. I mean, Tay, my boyfriend and I have done a massive amount of healing together. I'm... I come from the belief that we attract relationships, not only, you know, intimate relationships, but any type of relationship with someone into our life to mirror things that we need to heal within ourselves. Completely agreed. I will give a prime example. Um, My biggest thing my whole life that I'm like here to work on in this life is fear of abandonment. Started when I lost my dad, Yeah, was like reinforced when I lost my high school sweetheart, like fear of abandonment, fear of being alone. It's my fucking thing. So I attracted the man that I ended up marrying who abandoned me in probably the worst, most conniving, disgusting way possible. Um, And I still wasn't healing it. So then I attracted a man who love bombed the shit out of me and literally abandoned me 48 hours before getting on a plane to go across the world by myself to abandon me. And it was literally the universe going, Gabrielle, wake the fuck up until you heal your abandonment shit. You ain't going to be attracting anyone that's going to be better for you. So I think it's really important to look at the people that you're attracting into your life and being like, okay, what is this mirroring in me and what are they here to teach me and bringing up in me that I can heal? And in my current relationship, he lost his mom when he was young. So we come from a very similar background of that losing a parent. And we have things that, that trigger each other that are very Mm -hmm. similar. Mm -hmm. And whenever those come up, we're like, Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. what's going on here that I need to adjust within myself or that we as a, as a pair need to heal. And it can be 
like this kind of really cool roadmap to your healing journey. And you can do that on your own. You can do that with a partner. I I don't think that it's dependent on your situation. Um, Do I think that you're going to, you know, be in a toxic relationship and be like, okay, I'm ready to heal and just poof, like weed out the toxic. No, like you've got to do the work. (laughs) Um, but I don't think that you need to have some giant healing epiphany on your own before you can attract a healthy relationship. I think if you're attracting shitty relationships, I get so many DMS that are like, I can't find, you know, someone to share my life with, or like every guy that I date is a fucking asshole. And I'm like, okay. And I know this hurts to hear, but what is it in you that's attracting that shit? Mm-hmm. What have you not healed within yourself yeah. to where you keep attracting people that are going to do that to you? Well, and you have to point the finger back. It's so easy. And it's, of course, makes the most sense from the way our brain composition is that like, well, I, my ego is not going to admit that I'm playing a role here. And so I'm just going to put the blame where it's easiest, where I don't have to take responsibility. I don't have to look inward. And, you know, from my own experience and from the work that I do, I can say like a thousand percent, you start to build and receive and feel actually really amazing in your own goddamn skin the moment you start to do that the moment you start to say what was my role here the moment you start to say okay I'm triggered right now maybe it's not about them and maybe part of it is but what the fuck is going on for me what is this and like the you know asking yourself and doing the deeper work and like getting to the root as I always say it when I'm teaching and all my students are going to laugh because yeah. they've heard me say this analogy so many times but it's like get <laughs> to the root of your motherfucking onion yes. and like peel back the goddamn layers like be sh- be Shrek be donkey and like let that let that work really really like allow you to to sink deeper and ground deeper in yourself because that when you're standing from and sitting from that place that is when you're start going to start to actually have your relationships whether they're present future or past even start to really flourish in your world because they're going to be able to show up for you the way that you want and sometimes that does mean that some relationships are not meant to you know they're supposed to have a close it's supposed to have an end date for you and that that was there for a time for you to learn something or get something from that experience 100 percent a lot of the time, and I think a lot more of the time than folks want to admit, it's really often so much more about us than the other yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there's this like cultural expectation that like you fill my world, you're going to make me happy. It's I, even that just that phrase. It's like, well, I want someone that makes me happy. Right. Well, I think that, you know, when you talk about can you heal on your own or can you do it in a relationship? The golden rule to me is that you have to make yourself happy. You cannot ever be reliant on an outside source to do that for you, whether it's substances or a person or money, like it can't, it can't be from without, from outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. So whether you're in a relationship or you're by yourself on your healing journey. If you're not putting in the work to giving yourself the self-love and really doing that for you, no one else is going to be able to come in and vibrate on that same level. Totally. You have to be able to, to come into the situation with that so that the other person can be like, oh, okay, great. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, you're not dependent on me for like, all of your happiness. I'm just here to add to that and share it with you. Yeah. And it can be so exhausting to be on the receiving end of that. Like to be like, wait, so if I say no to this or I say I need a couple hours, you know, to myself and that turns into me being this awful person in your life because I've set a boundary for myself, for my own health, because you're so dependent on my presence in your life as your only source of stability, happiness, enter whatever it is. Like if you're hearing yourself or your relationships in that, I would really urge you to like take a look deeper because I know 
that I started doing that for a time, like right after college with Kev, because I, all of my friends had like moved out of the city and I was very unexpectedly left with not a local like support system and network. Oh my gosh, my dog's trying to break in. Oh, I'm minor at camp right now, but that's normally how my house is. <laughs> I mean, normally they're like barking up a storm, but my dog is literally, and he just broke in, literally has learned how to open the door, like open the door. My, mine too. Yeah. It's kind of wild and blows my brain, but anyways, hello. Um, but yeah, I just think like it's really, it's really interesting how we put so much stock in in that narrative instead of questioning it like instead of looking looking deeper in that space and so I'm glad we're talking about it well and I I think that that's you know it's been ingrained in us since we were little kids you know I I in the second book that I wrote there's a part where it's talking about you know we grew up with you know be a good girl and then go and get married and find someone who's prince charming Arming, a white picket fence and have kids and it's like where were the messages about like you can be happy on your own and go be a badass and you know chase your dreams and it doesn't matter if you're in or out of a relationship mm-hmm. those were non-existent back when we were growing up you know I mean sure from our our parents if they were raising us in that way but you know not from the Disney movies not from the stuff that we totally. we witnessed growing up it, it totally. was it was a very toxic like one way of looking at things yeah and I think something that you do so well and that I see a lot I, th- I think is a reason why a lot of folks are pulled to the idea of non-monogamy whether it's actually you know a path that feels good for them you know in their identity or in the long term for them or not is like you have made yourself the main character of your life, you know? And, like, genuinely, like, I watch you, and I'm like, oh, like, you actually know how to put yourself first. Like, you you have – you are the love of your life. Everything else is, you know, it supports – you are the center – you are the sun of your solar system, and everything yes. else, it supports that. And that's actually a big tenet in a lot of um, non-monogamous – um, communities is like there's actually a whole it's very beautiful I think but there's like a whole a whole bunch of different ways that people call their partners but there's kind of a solar system um, way where it's like you are the sun and some of your your partners are like you know closer planets and then oh, sometimes I love that. you have comets who like come in and out of your life at certain times where they're like super firing you have this like passionate weekend together oh my god that's so accurate and so rad and I love that and I just think it's so a- apt for frankly any type of how you do relationships it's like you have friends you have these humans you know and it's like I don't really prescribe to the belief that like a romantic partner is more important than a friend or anybody Mm -hmm. in your life that's just like how I've always lived whether I was monogamous or poly but I I really love that and I think the more that we can remind ourselves that we are we are the sun of our own fucking solar system and that everything around us is there to make it continue to move and support and be this like beautiful thing and some people will move and come in and like there's no right or wrong way right for that to exist but that at the at the core like the only way we can shine bright is to continue to fuel right yes to fuel us from the inside oh my god I love that we've been um binge watching Grey's Anatomy and when Christina Yang leaves the show she looks at Meredith and she's like he is dreamy, but he is not the sun yes. you are. And I'm like, yes. Um, and so accurate. You have to, you have to come first as does your partner. Your partner has to put themselves first. They can't put you first. You know, they're uh, the most important person yes. of them. Yes. Can you say that again? Like a million fucking times because one more time one for more the people time. in the back. <laughs> It's so important, you know? Like yeah, you you have to be the most important person in your life and your partner has to be the most important person in their life. You can be a close second, yeah. but it, it's it's got to be that way. Yeah. You, you can't put other people fully before yourself. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk like nitty gritty needs, expectations, like – 
what let's just like I don't know like spitball like what are some of the the big ones that are like you know are for sure important to you and what are some of the ones that you see other people putting out there that you're like I don't get this you know whether it's like just mm. a personal thing or maybe more like this sounds to- feels toxic to me okay um I think for off. me pers I think for me personally the openness and willingness to go to therapy is a really big one for me. Same. Um, or something and, of that nature. If it, like therapy is not accessible, like some self. Yeah. Being, being open to, you know, really legitimate communication and working on yourself. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a couple months back, my, my boyfriend and I took a trip with my mom and there was some stuff that went down on the trip as, you know, family trips tend to bring out in people. And we came back and without me even asking, he was like, I scheduled us a couples therapy and then I'm going to do two solo ones. I just wanted you to know. And I was like, that's the best thing I could have ever asked for is a partner that like, you're not dragging to go work on stuff or talk about their feelings. Like someone who's open and vulnerable and is level-headed enough to be like this sucked but let's sit down and like work through it Mm -hmm. together yeah um I've never been more turned on by (laughs) another person than when I see him sit down and clearly communicate in therapy I'm like yes yes you do (laughs) yeah um so that's that's a really big one for me and I think some for me personally um someone who isn't threatened by their partner's success um, and who will support it and really embrace it. It's obviously not a normal thing that my boyfriend has to listen to me talk about my exes five to six days a week, legitimately five to six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I sell a lot of books by talking about my divorce on TikTok. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. part of my job. And he has never once made me feel like I had to be more quiet in an interview or not really, you know, write all the things in the second book. Like he's always been very supportive and championing me in that sense. Um, So that's a big one for me. These are both big for me too. I think one of like the top ones for me, which has always been true is like, I really need someone who is not going to lie to me. And if something happens where a lie does exist, they own the shit out of it really fucking fast. Yes, Yes. Um, that's a huge boundary for me. Um, After my ex-husband, it's like, that's that's a no-go zone. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think like honesty has been like at the top for me. And of course, like there's always going to be like, oh, I didn't realize you needed that information. There's like so much nuance when it comes to communication and words and, and how we individually see different things and so I think that's really important to state for all of this but like yeah at the end of the day like that's the most important thing to to me like bar none you know like that there's just this I agree uh, yeah this like constant narrative of truth and honesty and ownership really like being able to say like I I fucked up or I was wrong and I'm sorry like it's So I don't know. I think it's so important. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think also, you know, emotional intelligence is kind of getting thrown around to a point where it's becoming trendy. Yeah, yeah. But it's when you really look at what it means, I think it's really, really important Mm -hmm. um, for someone to be able to, like I was saying earlier, sit down and be like, okay, what are your triggers and what can I do to not you know, tap into those and protect those for you. That's a sign of emotional intelligence. Like to even be able to have that conversation and know those terms and know that dialogue with someone Mm. is someone who's done a certain amount of work on themselves and has really, you know, put, put in some time on their, their spiritual or healing or whatever you want to call it journey. Um, that's a big one for me too. Oh, interesting. So like having a partner actively know all your triggers and like intentionally not do anything that could open your wound is important. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you an example. When Tay and I were 
this was, you know, a, a while ago when we were kind of on and off. Um, and I write about it in the the second book, but I had to reveal some information that happened when we were broken up and I knew it was going to affect him badly mm-hmm. as it would anyone. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it did. And he got up and like, you know, chucked the mug he was holding across um, across the room, not at me, obviously, um, and was like very visibly upset. Um, and then he looked at me and he said, I need some time and space, but I am not abandoning you and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm right here mm. because he knows my trigger is abandonment. So if he would have flipped out mm-hmm. and been like, get the fuck out and leave, I would have spiraled so hard. Yeah. And so in that moment that. for him to give me that, that safety, you know, and that protection was like, oh my God, this person really knows me and really wants to keep me safe. Mm-hmm. I also think that's so interesting because he did do, he did take an action that he needed for himself that mm-hmm. too many, and I know this cause I, and Kev has talked about this on the podcast, but he has a very deep, similar wound to yours. And like, when I'm upset, I need space because I will go off the deep end. If I continue right. to be in this space, like I will say things I don't mean, I will yell. Like I, it's, it's not a part of myself. I want to be doing and like opening for my partners unless it's very contained and thoughtful. Um, and so I, take that space but I didn't know to communicate that because I didn't know Mm. that was a wound of his until he communicated it and so even just saying that but sometimes that will still make him feel abandoned but he does feel safe and kind and like I'm being kind and thoughtful about the way in which I'm going about honoring my need honoring my own boundary Um, yeah and so I think what you said is like it's actually that like he just knows you and wanted to make sure that you were loved and seen while he did the thing that could have made you very well feel still abandoned in the moment, whether you yeah. did or not, you know? So I think that's absolutely, I think that's an important nuance. Cause I was going to say, like, I don't know that I agree with that completely. Like, I think that having that awareness is so key um, internally first so that you can then communicate, like, these are my traumas, these are my triggers. But I don't think that it's our partner's responsibility to shield us from those things, especially. No, no, no. And I agree. I don't think it's a shielding thing. I think when you're having a disagreement or you're having a fight to know what those triggers are and don't press them to be an asshole. Completely. Well, that's like manipulation and abuse. Yeah. But the amount of people that do that in relationships, they'll be, you know, they're low blows. So I don't think it's, it's their, job to protect us or shield us from that because I mean you'll go through that with friends with like random people you know they they're not going to be there to always make you not feel abandoned but Mm -hmm. if they know that that's like a big thing for you it's a very easy thing to do in that that fight or that that tough moment to be like hey I love you I am not abandoning you but this is what I need to go do right now yeah you know that's an easy thing for someone to do when they love you totally Yeah. Okay. I'm going to like start listing just like needs or expectations that I see a lot. Um, And I want you to say like, if that's something that you have a need in your own relationship or not. Cool. Okay. Okay. I need for my partner to, and this is assuming you're in a heteronormative relationship, but I need for my partner to not spend any time alone with the opposite sex. No, I don't need that. Okay, I clearly don't. I mean, that's so, <laughs> like, what, as a friend, as a work colleague, like, you and, know, I think yeah, as, as long a friend, like, as... I, I won't, I can't, I'm not okay with my, let's just say, like, boyfriend going on a, on a friend dinner date with another woman. No, I, I don't feel that way. I mean, I think that if you are in a healthy relationship, um, that you know, you communicate about things and you trust that person, then there should be nothing wrong with that because they know where that line is. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. That's also not something I have. It's so interesting because I um, I just did a TikTok about this because somebody was like sharing about it. And I was, I was like, are, are you people okay? Like a genuine question, like that this is something that is 
an expectation in your relationship because like the she, to me it spoke to a lack of trust and a lot of people in the comments were saying like well when you have a history of being cheated on hi I mean look who I, we're talking exactly, to exactly that's why I wanted to ask you this question yeah as one of them because I was like interesting that I understand that of course there might be more insecurity there or more fear and a whole slew of stuff like PTSD maybe even from like those experiences but like I just was so curious what your answer would be. And well, I had a feeling I, I, knew. I, I will say that, you know, at the earlier on in our relationship, before we really built that deep trust and foundation, when I was still recovering from the two shit shows that I went through, yeah. there were times where I would feel that like anxiety when he was on his phone. Mm. Um, and the way that he rectified that, is when we were sitting next to each other and he kind of like sensed that for me, he would just tilt his phone towards me. Yeah. He'd be like, if you want to see the screen, here it is. But not say anything to make me feel shitty about it because it that was never something that I asked for. And I think a lot of people feel that way. They're like, well, I don't want to feel like I can't trust you. I don't want to feel like I have the urge to go through your phone. And I never fucking had that before – my ex-husband had a fucking full-on, and it makes you know, six-month relationship going sense. on in his phone. Yeah, that you're like, like I'm scared, and like, is that going to just happen to me in all relationships now, especially? Yeah, given but the, again, like- trigger and a partner who knows how to handle that trigger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I. What about like, um, I am cool with my partner having dinner with an ex-partner. Okay, so this is a weird question for me to answer because Tay has a daughter and with a daughter comes a mother of that daughter. Totally. <laughs> so um, there has been times where like they, the three of them have gone out for tacos. Um, there's times where all of us go out. So I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that question. Maybe that makes um, you an even better person to answer that question right? though. Because, well, like- we're also, we're also, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go to dinner with any of of my exes now um but I mean I'm cool with some of them and I know he's he's cool with a lot of his exes I actually went to lunch with one of his ex-girlfriends when I was traveling in Bali so like if they ever went to to dinner that wouldn't be weird for me yeah I think it's dependent on the situation. Totally. Like, it would be weird if I went to dinner with, like, my two exes that I wrote about in the book. That would be fucking weird, you know? Do you think it would be mostly weird, though, because you don't want to? Like, or because he would struggle with it? Mm, I think he would struggle if I went to dinner with Javier, the guy that dumped me before Europe, um, because that was such a roller coaster saga that he was a part of in the second book. Yeah, Um, sure. But my ex-husband I think he'd be like go tape (laughs) tape it for me please for the world (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love that okay um I am totally cool with my partner watching porn I don't have a problem with that I mean I'd love to like be involved you know like if you're gonna sit down and watch it like let's fucking like put some candles on and have a party but um as long as it's not, you know, a a habit, like a a very frequent, you know, like you're jacking off once a day watching porn, I, I think that's excessive. Um, oh, interesting. But like, I, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. I think porn's great, and I think the more the merrier. Yeah, <laughs> but again, like, I let's like have a party and like be involved. You know yeah. what I mean? That's not, that's not something I had ever considered until like, well, I also like didn't, no, we're getting, we're getting in, um, but I like didn't watch porn for a really long time because I had a lot of like, I had a lot of internalized like, this is not okay and mm. like doing this is going to le- lead to habit forming and, and that, that that was inherently bad and all sorts of stuff and I was just like, I was very much like a, like a lit erotica, you know, gal. Oh. Like, give me the reading. And I, cause I'm a big reader. So I was like, I'll I just, love it. you know, like get off this way. Um, and then I, I don't know, like three, four years ago, I was like, 
Oh, it started because I, I was doing it in like a, in a partnership, and then I was like, oh, I can do this on my own. This is fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it like really is expansive. I mean, if you're doing it in a at least an ethical way, because there's a lot of unethical porn out there. But like, it was cool to like. It's a cool way to I don't know expand your horizons of like possible things to do. Right. I, I think like for me, it's been really cool that way. So. Yeah. And again, like there's no right or wrong answer for all of you listening to this. I want you to also like check yourself, like all the things I'm saying, like, how do you identify? And like, maybe just ask yourself like, hmm, what might be informing that or why? Because again, like Gabrielle and I come from very, very different backgrounds and a lot of this we've aligned on and a lot of it we won't. And like, there's again, never a right or wrong answer, just what's right for you. Um, and then being able to communicate that with your partners. Okay. I'm cool with my partner sleeping with somebody else. No. Hard no. <laughs> yeah. And I'm uh, I'm a hard yes, um, assuming that it's within the construct of our agreements. Right, right. And if, you know, when you came onto my podcast and, and we did the polyamory episode, I was like, yeah. really, it, it makes sense to me, you know? Like, I, I think if we both had very, very um, – firm agreements and like outlines of how this was going to go we maybe would be able to to do it in a sense um because like I see I can see how that could work and how it could be really fun and like beneficial to different needs um but from where I'm at now no (laughs) yeah and that's totally fair and it's also totally fair if that never is a thing you know like totally I think there's such a like misconception that like anyone who's talking it's so funny like I get this happens on every single one of my videos where it's just like I'm talking about polyamory which means that that inherently means monogamy is bad and people are like why are you shitting on I'm like just because I'm talking about a different relationship framework than what you believe to be the correct one and that all of society has been built on doesn't mean that I'm saying that I believe monogamy is bad. I actually think it's really beautiful when it's consciously chosen. My issue is when it's just this like expected norm that just doesn't work for everybody, whether it's no, and I totally agree with that. And you know what? Like the people that always chime in, it's, it goes across everything right now especially in the toxic TikTok world. Um, I just had a video that like blew up overnight and, you know, I always attract the men that are very triggered by my content and are probably living in their mom's basement, like don't have a profile picture, whatever. (laughs) And they have like five followers and it's like hunting videos. Like I don't know why. (laughs) That's just like all that I seem to get on that. Completely. And so many men in that comment section were like, well, you know, if you were sucking dick better, he probably wouldn't have cheated on you. Or if you were making sandwiches, then you wouldn't have gotten left. Or he needed a a newer, younger model. And it's like, nowhere in the video did I say men are bad, men suck. Like, I said my husband (laughs) cheated on me. And, like, this is the story. It's crazy to me how people can see something that doesn't align with what they agree with or they know to be true or how they practice things in their life and they're like well why are you saying it that way what Mm -hmm. about a b and c you're like fucking go on with your a b and c Mm -hmm. i love a b and c Mm -hmm. have fun with a b and c yeah but like leave me over here with my d i'm gonna do (laughs) this that was perfect too leave me over here with my d i feel like that's the fucking tagline of this episode oh it's so good i love it Uh, okay um i expect my partner to drop anything when I'm struggling oh that's interesting um no I mean I would never no I guess the answer is no do I expect support and love and for them to want to be there for me yes because I would do the same on my end Mm -hmm. but if I you know had a work commitment and they were like in their feels at home. I wouldn't be like, okay, sorry guys. I got to bail on this work commitment. Like go take care of my, my dude. Mm. That that's not a thing. And I would never expect that in return. Um, so no. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Are yeah. you, are you in the same, boat I'm in the on same that? camp? Yeah. It's a no for me. I, I fully agree with you that 
it's it's not an expectation so much as a desire to want to be supported when I'm struggling but I don't if they're in the middle even of like a, a date or something else where I'm like well you should drop this for me because I'm mm. really struggling like I think it's one thing if I'm like having a really bad day and it's another thing if like a parent just died or right oh well sure like trauma you know it, in that space like I'm the type of person that would just be like, I have to go, you know, Um, or whatever the fuck I'm doing. Like I would get off of a a work call and if something like that was happening, you know. Well, and that's that's a really good point to bring up because I think there's different levels of it. Like if my mother ever dies, I don't give a shit where he is. He needs to be by my side within the next five minutes. Even if he's on a plane shooting a film in another fucking country, he better be on the next one. Like, yeah, but that's you know, the worst of the worst, but I would, again, do the same for him in that sense. Yeah. And so I think that also speaks to like what you want when it comes to, you know, when you're at rock bottom, like what you want within your partnerships and how you've communicated that. So yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's an important one. Okay. I am totally cool with doing this myself and also any partner I have like cuddling with friends on the couch. No. I'm totally and I, fine I think with that. right. I think that's a a well. I don't know. Maybe this is not right, but to me, that's a monogamous difference versus like the polyamory. Yeah. Um, if I was, you know, single and dating someone, that would be a little different. But as far as me and my relationship now, no, he cuddles with me and his daughter. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> because it. even when I was monogamous. I was totally fine with that. And mm. like my whole I've just always been fine. I'm a very like physical touch person. I'm a very affectionate person. And I grew up in a home where like we cuddled, we hugged. It was just like a part of my making. And so mm-hmm. I it's always so strange for me, no matter when poly or or monogamous, when like a friend that I'm accustomed to having a, a cuddle based relationship gets into a relationship and they Mm. are monogamous or whatever even polyamorous and they're like I can't cuddle with you anymore and I'm like right like I can't just put my head on your shoulder like I don't understand and they're like right yeah and I'm like this is dumb (laughs) yeah well and I think it's (laughs) I think there's so much of that to you know it goes back to the age-old thing of can a female and a male be platonic friends without it going anywhere what about a bisexual person that like likes everybody I like have a crush on everybody I meet so it's like (laughs) okay well if I did that then I could physically never touch anybody right (laughs) right like if we were to hang out I would be like let's cuddle you know (laughs) well and that's what's interesting so I grew up like you I mean my mom was very very affectionate with me like we we were definitely like I would snuggle in bed with her and like but my girlfriends and I don't and have never had that. We've never been like, oh, let's like watch a movie and snuggle. Like I'm like that with all my friends. We've never been like that. That's and so not like not like it's like, oh no, we can't snuggle. Yeah, yeah. It's just never been a thing. So I don't know. It's I that maybe that's why it's it would be weird for me. Yeah, that's funny. I literally like don't think I have a significant like friendship in my life. Where I don't cuddle. Like, oh my God, I'm going to like, when we get off of this, I'm going to text my two best girlfriends and be like, what would you do if I said, let's hang out, watch a movie and cuddle and snuggle. (laughs) See what they say. You can start a snuggle night. Snuggle Sunday. You're going to be like, are you drunk? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I just think all of these things are like things we don't ever talk about in any substantial way of like, this is yeah, like, I'm cool with this or I'm not cool with this. And, like, why? Like, why is that a narrative, you know? And I know a lot of these were, like, physical. But I I encourage all of you listening to start asking, like, why do I hold this belief? And is it coming from a place of actually, like, my my root, like I said before, like, my center, my knowing? Or is it because I'm scared? Is it because I have an insecurity? Is it because this has just been the way I've been programmed to believe is important to operate? Like, this is what the culture has told me. Or maybe you grew up in, like, purity culture or whatever. And, Mm. I mean, there's so many factors that create our 
narrative of what is right and wrong. And I just want to yeah. reiterate again what I said before, which is that like there's no right answer other than what's right for you. Yeah. And um, you've created a space that is right for you based off of what your needs are. And I've done the same, but we've done that because we both have done a lot of self-reflection and a lot of deep work um, in our relationships, whether they were present or not at the time of that, you know? And so I think that's just, that's the piece here that like, again, remember to be your own motherfucking son so that you can have your planets reflect in a way that is you know, most aligned. For oh you. my God. I seriously love that analogy so much. Like I'm, I'm about to be like, okay, so I'm the sun. Tay, you're the earth. <laughs> Which planet do you want to be? <laughs> this motherfucker over here is Pluto. Like I love it. Yeah. I mean, you could create your own constellation. I talked about this actually, like in a, it was like a long time ago. I did a TikTok about like, what's your constellation and like how, who are the planet? And I just think it's a really beautiful and important thing. So Thank you for coming on and talking about all this stuff because I, I really, 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 really have been so tired with the t- with frankly the tired narrative around what we hold as important and that there's this that there's arbitrarily this like this is the only way like I, that's how people always show up and what I so appreciate about you and about every time we've talked is it's like okay we do life very differently and we also respect the fuck out of how we both choose to show up in our own unique lives. And yeah, I just wish that that, that was the the baseline. Like I really do because I feel like there would just be so much more love and kindness in the world. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm yeah, tired of I, it. I'm, I'm right there with you and you know, I have to, for season three of the podcast, um, of my podcast, FML Talk, that we're getting ready to launch in November, the first episode, I brought on this guy, Christopher McNeely, and he grew up being sexually assaulted and then, you know, was like, oh, I'm gay. Wait, I'm not gay. I guess that means I'm bi. And that was back when that wasn't a thing, you know, that was widely acknowledged and accepted. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful episode to see a man be so vulnerable and talk about these things. And I remember him saying, and then I got married to a woman and I lost half my friends. And it was like, why do people feel that they have a right to dictate how others live their life? Like you can go sleep with whoever you want and you're doing it in an ethical way at that. And none of that none of that affects my day-to-day life. None of it. So like why when I see someone who's doing things differently or living a life that's not the one that I'm living, would I immediately jump to judgment on that instead of being like, oh, fuck, that's cool. They're kicking ass over there and that works for them. And like you said, if more people could just be like open to – the fact that people are different and that's what makes it beautiful and that's what makes it life Mm -hmm. and be more accepting of that. We would have such a more peaceful planet that we're coexisting on. Yeah. It would be great. And I, I'm going to keep having these conversations in hopes that more folks we can do just it, be damn expanded. It. Um, speaking of, I know you just talked and plugged your podcast, but let everyone know where they can find you and also all about your second book since the last time you were here that wasn't out yet um, and all that good stuff before we let you go. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone and my TikTok is at Gabrielle underscore Stone. And both the books are available exclusively on Amazon or on my website, Eat prayfml.com um and the sequel book is called the ridiculous misadventures of a single girl and it's basically everything that happened after europe and uh my crazy healing journey that continued and how i met the guy i'm with now and our ridiculous roller coaster to end up in happily ever afterland (laughs) Yay. yay thank you so much for being here this has been so awesome and i so appreciate you Thank you. I love you. I'll be here anytime. I, I Same. Really love <laughs> what you do. And I think you have such an amazing way of, of communicating really important topics to, to people. So I'm honored to, to be back. You're giving me all the feels. Yeah. I love you, girl. I love you too. <laughs> and there you have it. 
Thank you, Gabrielle, so much for coming on the pod and having this conversation with me and for everything that we shared about in the episode today. Um, you can check it out at amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 135. All the goods are there. Um, or as always, like you can check out all the all of the stuff, the tickets for the uh, summit and peer sport, whatever, all of that goodness um, in the link in my bio. Um, and make sure you follow Gabrielle if you're not already following her on TikTok and on Instagram because she's just a fucking best. Um, and this conversation, I hope, supported your heart as much as it supported mine and was a reminder to you that all – relationships are are to support our hearts support our deepest needs and to help our sun shine brighter and your son oh my gosh I'm like (laughs) it's like a tongue twister your son deserves to motherfucking shine um and let the light shine let the light shine uh I adore you all. As always, um, if this episode resonated with you, share it on um, your social media. You know, tag me and Gabrielle um, and the podcast. You can always tag it at Live Your Fuck Yes Life. Um, the you of the fuck in that one is actually a you. What did it be? Um, and I'm at Amanda Catherine Loy. As always, um, so tag us um, and let us know your favorite parts. Um, if it sparked something within yourself, I always love hearing that. And as always, if you're feeling good and you've been loving this podcast or love this episode, leave a rating, a review, um, and um, all that good stuff on iTunes because it really does help get this in front of more earbuds and eyeballs and all of that good stuff. And until next time, I will see you on the flip side. Enjoy you all. <laughs>